1: We have over 30 years of experience in the industry and are owners of the well-established design-build remodeling company Black Dog Builders in Salem and Nashua, New Hampshire.
0: We're sitting down with industry professionals and past clients to tap into their experiences and insights so we can equip you with the tools you need to make your own project a success. Hello and welcome back to Renovation Made Right. My name is David Bryan.
1: And I'm Brenda Bryan.
0: And we are picking up on uh, the last show that we had done, which was uh, one that was geared toward uh, how you make things wonderful and fantastic, but don't spend a fortune doing it. We call it sort of uh, Fabulous and Frugal. It's mm-hmm. a seminar that we've done in the past, right? Um, and we cheap, got the,
1: cheap and chic.
0: Yeah, Cheap and chic works well, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we got... Uh, partway through, there's a lot of content. So we got partway through, we decided not to throw too much at you in one show. So we're breaking it up into two. And here's sort of the second half of this seminar, which, Bren, you've done for uh, years in terms of uh, delivering this seminar um, and and always... Whenever we do seminars, you always get better reviews than I do. So I, I don't know why that is. I, I, I got a few ideas, but uh, <laughs> uh, maybe you're just smarter and No, better. no, no,
1: no, no. Here's the problem is you're dealing with drier stuff. You're like how to play in the perfect remodel, and You're talking about insurance and permitting and stuff that makes people snooze. I'm talking about design, which is like really what people want to talk about anyway.
0: Well, see, I don't think you look at it right. The stuff that we're talking about is very exciting.
1: Yeah, but it's not. It doesn't. You know, it doesn't have to be like uh, no. like
0: chartreuse or no. mauve no. or granite. Or no. it's important.
1: Exciting. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm saying it's not exciting. But it's important. I mean, everybody. I just it's out, exciting to out make. there in listening land. I do want you to listen to Dave's parts of you know. What he's bringing, but, exactly? But I know you're not excited about
0: it. But come on now, this is ridiculous. <laughs> we are helping people have a better outcome. There's no doubt about that.
1: I know that. Right? I know that, darling. And
0: so, what matter? Does it matter if you have a beautiful kitchen when all is said and done, but you had a terrible experience and you felt like you got taken to the cleaners by your contractor? Is I, that good?
1: Did, did I not just say it was important? I'm it, feeling a little vulnerable. I can see that. Yeah, sorry. Sincerely, like, yeah, like, <laughs> my right. stuff's good too. Let's get on to the fun stuff. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. Here it is. We left off last time we were talking about um, different lines of cabinetry and how you can mix and match them and use moldings and, you know, so basically to keep your costs down. So I'm going to give you a couple more hints, and then we're going to delve into some other uh, information. So one other thing you can do when you're working with kitchens or baths But mostly kitchens is a couple cabinets, tall cabinets in particular, are very expensive. They can chew up a lot of your cabinet budget. So if you are trying to enclose a built-in fridge or you're trying to enclose um, an oven, microwave, double oven, whatever it is, and your budget is tight, one thing you can do is um, use drywall. Basically, to build it, you know, build a structure around that appliance and um, not use cabinetry because drywall is really inexpensive. You know, a few studs and some drywall is very inexpensive, and, um, and cabinetry is not. Great. So that's just one way to keep your budget down. That's, that said, y- you know, those cabinets do actually hold things, so if you're very tight on space, that may not be a good solution. But if you have a fairly good-sized kitchen and you're finding that you have plenty of space f- for other cabinetry, then those two are, are, are good ones to get rid of. Yep. Same thing with tall, deep pantry cabinets, you know, those those 24-inch deep pantries, because, A, if you don't do anything inside them, you can't see what's at the back, and you will have 40-year-old garbanzo beans back there that, you know, <laughs> like, what are you going to do with them, that, right? That's
0: actually a hot button for me, too, for sure, because I know that when our designers are working with people, um, a lot of folks have you know seen online or many manufacturers highlight uh, those deep pantries with all the bells and whistles inside them, and you, you know, but in order to make a twenty-four inch deep cabinet worth anything of any real value, you have to put a lot of stuff inside yeah. it. When I mean stuff, I mean like rollouts or tip outs or or, or those you know,
1: big like wire racks that pull out on Exactly, on or the, yeah, or, or, yeah. You,
0: or you're putting stuff, on, you know, putting shelves or racks on the back of doors and so forth. And what that does is take you know, a a large cabinet, it it does make it more useful and make it, you know, sort of more functional, but it makes it way more expensive. Right. Right. Like crazy expensive. And and being a little smart, like versus a 12-inch pantry cabinet, which is a lot less expensive and just naturally more user-friendly. Right. Because it's not as deep. You right, think exactly.
1: oh i won't be able to store as much stuff in it but yeah what you're storing in it you'll know what's there
0: right and so if you and if you put in a 24 inch deep pantry cabinet and you don't invest in all those rollouts and all those extra uh, sort of bells and whistles you actually are having a much much less valuable cabinet in right the long
1: run. you're just throwing out a bunch of food once a year when right. you clean it out you go oh my god you know what yeah. what was back here
0: and who cleans about once a year isn't it more like every five years uh, and then you're like holy cow this is, is about a to good rupture point. yeah yeah right? that is a good so.
1: point so one other way to deal with that pantry conundrum is again, if you have the space, design in a walk-in pantry with wire shelving. Again, this is just is it's just drywall and some studs and some wire shelving. Really inexpensive, but you can get a ton of storage out of it. And granted, you know, think about the space that you've got in the in the room. If you have a tiny room, this is not going to be a good solution for you. But if you have a pretty big room to work with, a walk-in pantry is fantastic, and it also allows you to store you know odd-shaped, size things and um, uh, get a lot of flexible storage that you can shut the door on. You don't have to look at.
0: Yeah, and there's know? also a ton of uh, of more sort of. Um, Appliance or counter-type appliances these days, there's, you know, everyone has all kinds of different counter-appliances, Right. Um, but often either you don't want to see them all the time or you don't want to chew up all that counter-space with them, so the, the walk-in pantry is a great alternative right. for your rice maker and stuff like that.
1: Right, exactly. The stuff is not that's not that beautiful after time, you only use it maybe like, you know, once a month or once a week right. or whatever, so it's not a big deal to go to your pantry and get it. So... That's it, sort of uh, wrapping up on, on the cabinetry end of stuff. We're going to jump into countertops now. Excellent! Woo-hoo! <laughs> um, there has been a huge rise in the number of um, stone tops that were being made. Back when I was a young pup and just starting out, um, it was very expensive to get stone, ta- stone countertops because the, um, the saws that they used to make them were diamond-tipped, but like real diamonds. And since then, they have come up with um, manufactured diamonds. And so the cost of the equipment that they need to use has come down significantly, and consequently the cost of um, making those stone stone countertops has come down significantly. So... um, that has made a huge difference and made those materials really accessible to the average person. And to. technology too.
0: There's been right. there's been dramatic huge, improvements right. in terms of the the kind of equipment over over and above the cutting tools. Just the equipment those cutting tools go in today is right. radically different.
1: Right. Exactly. And a lot like CNC machines. Right. So it's not as as personnel driven as it used to be. Right. It Used to be only craftsmen could do this. Now that they, you know, they can hire people. Really just. Limited training and and can produce a, a countertop. So granted, there's huge expenses in terms of the facilities these places, but they can their costs are radically lower than they used to be.
0: We use a company called Top Line Granite, and uh, and they are um, they're pretty amazing. I, I think we'll eventually have them on as a guest, um, but th- their shop is is impressive. And <clears throat> they um, when they do templates, they come on site with lasers and computers mm-hmm. and they put sensors on the different places of the kitchen, and then the computer maps exactly what the counters can going to look mm-hmm. like. And that data uploads automatically to the CNC equipment back at the shop. Right. And so there's no potential for, like, uh, people transposing numbers or human error getting involved. And right. Um, and it's, it's really the... And the it tech- also
1: deals with stuff like, you know, are your walls out of square? Exactly. You know, like, are two corners not meeting at an at a exact 90-degree angle in the corner? Well, it takes that into account a right. lot more easily. Right, exactly. Templates used to be a much bigger deal. You know, they had to bring in materials and cut a template exactly. And yeah, and it, was un- it wasn't
0: uncommon for guys to have to take the tops back out, make modifications in the field. Mm-hmm. Like, Granted, it's not a friendly material to cut in the no. field. No, <laughs> no, it's not. <coughs> so. It's
1: not. So it's It's gotten way, way better, and um, and so that is accessible. But let's talk about, like, low, low end. So if we start at the low end, we're talking about laminate countertops typically. Yep. yep. Um, they come in endless styles, the costs are very low, there are kinds that have a wrapped front edge so that you don't see, you know usually when you think about laminate you think about a ninety-degree corner and a black line um, and and everybody's seen that kind of counter. So there's a couple things you can do to get rid of that. One is, like I said, a preformed edge where you've got a roll. It only works in certain applications but when it does, it works really well, mm-hmm. and it, you can keep your costs very, very low that way. Um, if you have to do a square edge, the only thing I'd recommend is um, just stay away from light colors because then that black line really right. does show. Just punches right it, up. Right, exactly. <laughs> if you actually do a dark color, you can't even see it; it just blends right in. Or there's things called bevelages. There's there's a lot of other options there, so those key, can keep your costs very, very low. And I would uh, tell you probably the best thing to do is to uh, get the design you want in terms of your layout of your kitchen. Don't scrimp on the number of cabinetry the number of cabinets or um, you know the perfect the functionality. Kind of, yeah, the right. functionality, the perfect kind of layout for your kitchen and then focus on the best cabinets that you can put in that design. And the last thing to focus on would be your countertop. So in other words Uh, If the budget
0: doesn't allow for it. If
1: the budget doesn't allow for it, you could put in laminate. And then in five years, you can say, you know, I'm going to upgrade to stone. And that's a one-day fix, basically. They come in, they template, um, they come back and install it. And you're basically up and running in a day, maybe two, at the outside. So Let's
0: talk about that just for a second while we're on yeah. that, because, because I think that makes a ton of sense, but I also think that it's important that people understand that, that you make a couple of compromises there, not only just compromises in sort of the durability of the surface, which isn't a big deal. It's it's not often that you see destroyed laminate counters. Well,
1: right? I've been in plenty of houses where the the laminate countertops are 40 or 50 years right. old, and they're holding right. up great. Yes, right. they're scuffed. They don't look as great, but, you know, right. they're not falling apart. They get the job
0: done, right? Yeah. And and But one of the things that you do give up um, that a lot of folks are um, – attracted to is an undermount sink mm-hmm. right so if you're going to do a laminate countertop you're essentially by definition using some sort of a top mount sink a stainless mm-hmm. steel sink cast right. iron sink whatever right. which is okay right and that's that's you know I think that's something that, that uh, can work fine, but you need to know that, you know, and okay, if, if you're staging your budget, and we have lots and lots of clients who do that, who who kind of think, all right, I want to do three projects over 10 years, and you're going to do some of those things as the budget allows. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, but uh, but a lot of folks miss that um, miss that undermount sink, and, uh, and it's something you can get in the next iteration when you go to do that. And I think a, a big piece of this, and tied into this fabulous, fabulous and frugal, is... Um, what's appropriate based on what you're thinking about doing for the house? If this is an investment property and you're flipping it, mm-hmm. you're not going to put stone in there necessarily. Right? Well,
1: except for the fact that stone seems helps to resell, sell, right? right? You know, you talk resell. the realtors are always like granite countertops. right? So you better know? better yet,
0: maybe if I were to say it's an investment property, and you're renting it. Right. Right. Think about it in that regard. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, but if, you, if this is your forever place, then, you know, you circle back and get that done.
1: Right. Right, exactly. So anyway, something to keep in your wheelhouse, right? Like if you can't get everything you want, but there's certain things about your design that you absolutely are married to, then, you know, maybe you sacrifice and you say, okay, I've got to put a laminate top in now. And in five years, I'm going to switch it out and I'm going to put the stone top in that I want. Um, and then there, there's also Corian and or, you know, it's ilk, right? Saw Solid surface, surface yeah. tops. Um which we're not doing that much of anymore. People aren't asking yeah, for it. Yeah, you know, it. I think it's
0: it's really fallen off dramatically. We, this year, we did one large solid surface project, uh, and we haven't done one prior to that for a long, long time. It still, I think, has a good grip on the commercial world. Right. So you see it in, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, in corporate application, but very, very little today. Um, I in think the difference
1: is, is that, you know, granite used to cost... Another 50% more than Corian. And so it was sort of like a good middle ground for people. And now, granite, the costs of granite have fallen down, so it can be even less than Corian in some cases. So people are like, well, why wouldn't I? Yeah,
0: and I think that's not only just due to the fact that, um, like you mentioned, uh, some of the technology has improved, but there's also a lot of granite uh, fabricators, right? Yeah. And so more granite's getting pulled out of the ground uh, and more granite's being distributed and more granite's being fabricated and it's more competitive and drives that cost down. Right. Right. So uh, so solid surface, unless you have something, you know, really strong drive because of the aesthetic, mm-hmm. it just isn't as popular. For
1: sure. Well, you you can do things that are completely seamless, right? right? You know, I, there, so in some ways and for some applications, it, it, does really well. Yeah, so
0: let's talk about that. So um, and the truth is, even in solid surface, there are uh, there are seams. They're just very very low visibility yeah. seams, right? In granite, there are almost always seams, uh, and the seams are visible, mm-hmm. right? And they, they they epoxy them, they uh, they join them together with mechanical, uh, you know,
1: fasteners, uh, fasteners right. to make mm-hmm. sure
0: they line up properly. But at the end of the day, there are you know visible and tactilely. You know, exposed, you can feel the mm-hmm. seam, right? Mm-hmm. That's just especially
1: the way. if you have a granite that's got any movement to it, right. visual movement that right. is, you know. And and
0: that's just that's one of the things that you either embrace or you don't embrace with mm-hmm. granite. Right? It's mm-hmm. no different than like putting a pine floor in your house, right? right. You, you either embrace the fact that that floor is going to show some dents, or you don't want it, right? Right, same kind of deal, right?
1: So. Exactly. So that's a good segue into flooring because that's where we're going next. All right. So again, costs. There's low end to high end. And your lowest end is going to be linoleum, uh, VCT, which is vinyl composite tile, laminate. Um, there are a bunch of new options in this category. There's some really great stuff going on with vinyl plank, um, uh, wood grain vinyl plank, which you can use in bathrooms and wet environments, which it makes it terrific. Um, what are the things that are that are new? In fact, we're we're going to have um, our f- yep. our flooring expert on at some point to talk more about this. So this is yep. just a quick overview. Yeah. So,
0: um, so luxury vinyl plank has been has has become has gone really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call it LVP generically, uh, but we get we've been finding a lot of demand for LVP, mm-hmm. um, and it, you know tile uh, is 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 a Big deal. Well, interestingly, um, carpet is a is a shrinking uh, component within yeah. the flooring industry. Mm-hmm, right there's mm-hmm. there's a lot less of that being done. Um, wood is still strong, but LVP has taken the place of a lot of things. And LVP is sort of like the next generation of, of what was laminate flooring. Right. right. Um, and uh, and it's it's more approachable from a price perspective. It's got it's, it's tremendously durable. You can mm-hmm. put it in a lot of different applications. Waterproof. Um, and, uh, and, and and because
1: it looks like wood, you know, it gives that warmth that correct. people are looking for yeah. for wood, but yeah. at a at a lot lower price point.
0: Right, and not only does it look like it can look like a lot of things; it doesn't have to look just like wood. It can now they, they now they emulate, like stone, they emulate stone, they emulate tile, or tile marbles, looks and things like right, that. Right, exactly. Um, and and once again, depending on the application, depending on what you want to accomplish. Um, every floor has got sort of advantages and disadvantages, mm-hmm. right? So um, tile has a look that uh, you can't often really get with something other than tile, but mm-hmm. tile has some challenges with it, right? Tile has uh, has grout challenges for cleaning purposes. Yep. Um, it's unforgiving. If, yep. it, you're, if it's uh, if it's used in a flooring application, it's unforgiving in terms of it's hard on your, under your feet, yep. right? It's also hard on anything that gets dropped, right? Yes. So you drop a cast iron pan, um, the odds are... Reasonable that that you might get a cracked tile,
1: right. right, or or smashed, yeah, for that right. matter, right, exactly. exactly. But if you if you drop a, a bowl, right, that right. may bounce a little bit. It's it's not going to survive a drop on on tile. Exactly. It's also acoustically not a great choice. Right. So you know, there's a you you don't want to be in a home that has a lot of bounce back, like you're living in a right. museum, right? That that has a lot of sound that's bouncing around, and so tile is not forgiving in that sense either. But
0: conversely. Like if you think about tile in a bathroom application, there's some things about tile that you can only really accomplish with tile. Like Mm -hmm. in a bathroom, this is definitely a bell and a whistle, but it's pretty cool, which is um, radiant heat.
1: Mm -hmm. Right? Right.
0: Um, And
1: you can't... Explain what that is.
0: So radiant heat meaning that you can put an electric heat mat underneath your uh, tile before you lay the tile. Then you can, uh, and and people think, "Oh, electric! It's expensive to run." The reality is, electric heat mats are not expensive to run. Mm -hmm. Um, They're about the cost of an incandescent light bulb. Which Mm -hmm. today we have LED, and they're cheaper, but they're not quite not quite that cheap, right? Um, But you know, you set your thermostat for 530 in the morning. By the time you get up and step on it, um, nice the, warm. the floor is nice and warm. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and when you get out of the shower, you're not sort of hopping from rug to rug in your bathroom. And, right. and you can't really – and the tile has thermal mass, so it does a good job at allowing that heat to conduct through it. It's right. not It's not an insulator. It's right. a conductor more than anything else, right? Yep. And it holds the heat. And it holds the heat, right, which is right. the other
1: thing. You could turn that, you could turn that um, floor system on. For an hour, warm it up, and it would stay warm for you know two or three hours. Exactly, right? So, so,
0: so there's some things you can only accomplish with sort of a, a stone or or a ceramic type product or, porcel- or porcelain product. Right. Um, but again, there's there's uh, there. Are benefits and disadvantages to all of those, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm. And and tile is great in bathrooms just because it's, you know, completely impervious to water, right. right? Like you can really put it in wet environments and do some really beautiful things.
0: Right. And there's a wide range in the price point, right? Mm-hmm. You can get tile that is really short money uh, that will serve you just fine. And you can then, you can fall in love with an, with an you know, a, a one-of-a-kind beautiful tile that will make your project. Right. Right. Um, or
1: so, and here's, here's something to keep in mind. When we're talking about, you know, beautiful but yet frugal. If you want to do tile and you want to have stone, think about a stone look tile exactly um, as opposed to stone and the only difference well there's two differences one the stone is going to be a lot more expensive per square foot but it's also way more expensive to lay because you need special tools to cut it so it it's a much more intensive process and so that can throw your labor costs up by more than double that's exactly right right so you know just keep that in mind you can get the same look as a stone in a regular tile um, for a lot less money right so um, okay, so let's talk about appliances and plumbing fixtures. And
0: by, yeah, by the way, there's so much more to talk about on flooring. Oh, huge. But in the, in the fabulous and kind of thing, that's all we wanted to touch on. But we are going to circle back. We'll make a whole other show about... About uh, nothing about, but flooring. Right, all things flooring. Who knows? It might be two shows. We'll see. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so appliances and plumbing fixtures. Let's start with appliances first. So, I mean, this goes without saying, avoid the super low end ones unless you're planning on selling and foisting them on someone else, which is very (laughs) unkind, but I know people do it all the time. Um, So moderate quality, you know, sort of that middle of the road range, you can actually get some really great looks in appliances. um, And they typically will hold up pretty well. Mm. Um, Even the low ends, frankly, will hold up pretty well. I, I will tell you and we will probably have an appliance person on, but appliances do not seem to last.
0: Isn't that ridiculous? The way
1: they used to. Yeah. You know, my the dishwasher in my parents' kitchens is forty five years old. Forty no, it's gotta be it's, it's probably more probably than older that, right? than that, right? It's probably fifty years old. Still working fine. I you know, when I, I was growing up the the washer and dryer that they had for it was probably thirty I, or 40 years. I never years
0: recall old. my parents ever buying a washer dryer. Yeah. They had one.
1: One, right. right. And, and it lasted the whole time. And we've
0: been married for uh, going on 31 years. Yeah. And we're on our third set. Yes. Third, we're on our third washer dryer.
1: Yeah, And and we have had confirmation from the appliance sellers who are like, you know, expect it to last seven to 10 years and nothing more than that, which is just pathetic.
0: Right. Frustrating. Yeah. so it's it's, pl- Planned obsolescence it, yeah. at work.
1: But, you right. know, so don't be disappointed when it does die, it's going to die. Um, Ovens seem to do better. They seem to have some some holding uh Yeah, and there's, some, there's
0: some things that are simplistic enough, and they're designed like gas cooktops. Yeah. There is not a lot of complexity there. Right. Those things should be pretty bulletproof. Right, right?
1: exactly. But, you know, part of this decision is a fashion decision, right. right? So you may fall in love with something now, and in 20 years, you might go, oh, this is totally out of fashion. Or the technology changes. Right. Right? You may want a completely new technology, like, for instance, induction heating. Uh, cooktops did yeah. not exist right. 20 years ago. A lot of people want it now. And for those that
0: don't know what induction is, it's effectively kind of a way to um, to cook without sort of – you actually don't even sense direct heat um, at the cooking surface. right? I actually watched a demonstration where one of our uh, appliance uh, sales folks that help us out all the time and our, our clients work with, they took a $100 bill, put it on top of the induction top, put a cast iron pan – or maybe cast iron is not right – but they put, they put a pan on top of that filled with water – they turned the the switch on, uh, and in a very short period of time, that water was boiling, boiling. and they lifted the pan up and pulled the hundred dollar bill out, and the hundred dollar bill was like w- was warm, untouched,
1: yeah, exactly. by the whole thing.
0: So, yeah. so a very cool sort of conductive technology that makes that happen.
1: Yeah, it's essentially a magnet, so you need special cookware for mm-hmm. it that's magnetic. But, um, but yeah, really cool technology. So there's there's new stuff coming up all the time. So again, keep in mind with your appliances, you may not like it in 20 years and so right. it won't really bother you that that it breaks down. Um, so high-end appliances, and when I'm talking about high-end, I'm talking about things like Sub-Zero refrigerators, um, Wolf, Wolf Mealy,
0: Gaggenau. Um,
1: Gaggenau, right, you know, um, they tend to last a long time. Um, we have a Mealy dishwasher that's going on 20 years yep. um, and it's holding up great. So th- there is some value in um, s- going for the high end. If you're gonna be in your house for a long time, um, go for it.
0: Yeah, And that I think that actually is a theme, right? So the stuff that you interact with all the time is where it's worthwhile to invest a little more of your budget, right? So um, th- we circle back to cabinets for a second the the doors and the drawers are things you interact with all the time so if the drawers have a better grade of hardware and a slow close system that pulls them back and keeps all your drawers aligned and things like that and they move smoothly and you never fight with them. There's a value in a little more money there, mm-hmm. right? So, so we're not. We obviously there's a lot of ways you can save money on projects, but we want you to be smart about that. And and, and same is true of appliances, right? And so, right. but no different than the counter than the conversation on countertops. If you've got a challenge budget wise, and laminate's the right choice for you right now, there are lots of ways to get, uh, you know, uh, low end appliances. Or even ways to um, to go about finding recycled appliances mm-hmm. for your project, such that. You know, you can then in the future upgrade the appliance you want, as long as you designed and a space to accommodate the future appliances. Right. That's a big right. challenge too that right. people don't always think about.
1: Yeah, one thing to think about um, when when you're designing a kitchen, um, and you'll figure this out if you go to an appliance showroom: an oven, a separate built-in oven, is actually often more expensive than a whole range, like a, a regular freestanding.
0: Range. Well, just to be clear for listeners too, when, when you say range, we actually mean one device that has an oven, oven under and a cooking and surface a cooktop, on top. Right? right. That's a one unit
1: thing. Right. right. Exactly. So and and they make some good looking ranges these days. Right. So, um, so just keep that in mind. It's really you know people get excited about the wall oven and and how great that would be. And I'm not saying it would. It's they're not beautiful, um, but you are tripling your potential cost. True. Sure. So. Sure. Um, especially when you get into some of the higher-end appliances. You know, an oven can cost $1,500. A right. single oven. Right. right, right. So, and a, and a nice-looking range will cost you 700
0: What are your feelings about people who are, um, uh, from a value standpoint, thinking about doing a double oven in the kitchen?
1: Okay. So, uh, you have to think about how often you're using two ovens at once. And so, this is a personal preference. You know, if you are an avid baker and you're making stuff all the time, yeah, you definitely need it. Um, if you only need it uh, once a year at Thanksgiving, um, you're better off getting a convection microwave, oh. which is, can be used as a convection oven as well as a microwave, so it does double duty. So, in other words, you're say you say you're cooking your Thanksgiving dinner and you've got a turkey in the oven, and uh, you know a couple sides in there as well. And by the way, if you do convection, you can actually cook things all at the same time, mm-hmm. as opposed to a radiant oven. So, I highly recommend convection, but. Um, the, uh, the convection microwave can serve to do a couple sides. You know, you can actually get a fairly good sized pan in a convection oven. So just keep that in mind. And, and convection microwaves actually come with a, a, a um, a shelf in between, you can actually do two things in a convection convection microwave. So that could be your second oven. So you have your microwave covered and the second oven and, you know. So again, that's personal preference, but that's one way to keep the cost down, not getting a double oven and a microwave on top of it for something that you're only using once a year. Yep. Yep. So, um, all right, so we're going to jump into a little bit into plumbing fixtures. Sure. Um, What's your take on plumbing fixtures?
0: So. so, again, one of those things you interact with a lot. And one of those things that if you don't have – if you interact with and they're causing you problems, mm-hmm. it's a pretty big hassle, leaking right. and so forth, right? So um, I discourage people, even folks who are driving toward a budget, uh, I discourage from going to low end, right? Because yeah, – it's not like changing a faucet out is rocket science. It's not, right? It's not. But but,
1: but most people still have to call on a professional to do it in
0: many cases, yeah. right? And uh, and today I think there are more people who don't have skill sets to do stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so um, so I drive people. I encourage people to spend more time sort of in the middle of the market and not mm-hmm. luxury. Like so, there's a there's a continuum. Let's talk let's talk toilets. Yeah, and, and this is a, that's a good that's a good example in terms of how to. Uh, to think about how how budget impacts your choice, so you can get a toilet and put it in your home, uh, including a seat for under three hundred bucks, mm-hmm. right? Um, but flushability and quality of flushing is really really important, right? And uh, and, and especially
1: with the lower volume uh, water. So you put is, yeah. a new toilet toilet in right now. It used to be what
0: one point six, and now yeah. it's one point two eight. Right. It's 1.28,
1: but right. like like let, years let, ago, it was eight gallons or something yeah, like that, yeah, right? Yeah. Like there was like, nothing that wouldn't go down.
0: Right. You're yeah, Well, but even then, so they compensated with bad design by just more water. Back, right. in the, back in the day when there were huge toilet tanks and they were flushing large amounts of water, that's just because they hadn't perfected right. the, the design of, of the trap and so forth. So today, um, you know, uh, manufacturers have been driven more and more toward putting in um, eco-efficient, eco-friendly toilets that are using only 1.28 gallons of water to flush, and in some cases, they'll even give you an option to um, have a lesser flush for liquid versus a larger flush for solid. Right. right. But and, so, and um, a
1: lot of those are driven now by by regulations. Correct. Right? You can't correct. put in a, a higher flushing toilet. Correct. But uh,
0: like everything else, you know, that's there are there are better and lesser manufacturers whose toilets do a better and lesser job. So some of that is just doing a little research online mm-hmm. and and looking for the feedback on that. But those are areas. That's an area where. You don't want to have to keep a plunger by the toilet every day, and you Mm -hmm. don't want to have to deal with those kinds of things. So, investing in a in a better toilet, but within reason, right? So, so you've got the toilet for under three hundred bucks, then you've got the toilet that's you know four or five, um, that's probably a nicer, better functioning toilet. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, there's a range where you're spending more money on aesthetics, like does the toilet look the way I want it to look? Right. You know, and that and and how does that tie into the rest of the suite of fixtures in my bathroom? And then beyond that then there is sort of the luxury or or you know highly accessorized toilet I and mean, you're like what the hell is that right but well that, that you know
1: there's ones with the built-in bidets correct essentially, so, you know, yeah. there's there's a whole bunch of that stuff but a lot of it is about aesthetics you know I want my toilet not to look like a toilet I want it to look like a hat box right there are <laughs> toilets that look that way that's correct now my solution would be if possible Put the toilet in a in a water closet, by, which by is itself. a separate room. But that,
0: right. but when we're talking about frugal and fabulous, that's right. often not the case, right? Because we're, that requires a larger bathroom. So mm-hmm. if we're trying to give some feedback on no, typical, Joe average, like, be bathroom, like five right. by seven, five
1: by eight bathroom, yeah, right.
0: But you know, you can spend. There are toilets that are three thousand dollars that are like Bluetooth <laughs> enabled and have right, right. you know have seat warmers and have and you know greet you. And there's actually there's actually a toilet on the market that. Can tell whether you are approaching it as a man facing forward or a woman facing backward, and will lift the seat for you automatically or not lift the seat for you, just open the top for you, depending on what you're doing. Right? That's so kind. Right, it, it, kind. It, but But the
1: fact that it needs sensors makes me think: is there a camera? Well, who knows? Who's right? watching? Right, exactly. <laughs> um,
0: and so, on, so on those toilets, there's a huge continuum. But I come, uh. ba- I come back to. Uh, I come back to the value of, of sort of the good components uh, and and solid technology and the same is true of faucetry, right? Mm-hmm. So with faucetry, uh, you're looking for uh, you know decent. You should be looking for a lifetime warranty on the cartridges on the valves, right. the part that's going to not leak, yep. um, and good quality finish that's going to be durable and withstand cleaning. Um, and
1: yeah, the really the really inexpensive faucets usually the, um, the if you have say a chrome faucet or any kind of finish, it will lift up and bubble and right. look terrible because it's just basically it's plated plastic essentially. Yeah, in many
0: cases that's the case. That's true, and and you know you just not only does it not function as well, it doesn't feel yeah. as durable in your you know in, right. when you work with it. So, so I would I would stay away from the low end stuff, even though it could be tempting mm-hmm. uh, to spend sixty five bucks for a faucet. Mm-hmm. Um, that faucet, you know, over the course of time, if you're going to be in the home for a while uh, and you replace it, you will have spent now more than that than if you had just spent. Right. A little more if money just, at the, right, the upfront, exactly. especially if you have to hire someone to do it. Right. right?
1: So, and so, there's there's plenty of like good manufacturers that have sort of like middle of the road, you right. know, good quality product. Right. We do a lot um, of
0: work with Kohler as an example. Right. And Kohler, while Kohler has uh, a bunch of products at the upper end of the sca- of the spectrum, they also have uh, you know a good a good core of products that um, that are well designed, well engineered, uh, and perform and last a long time. Right. And they're still very cost effective. Right. Right. So. Right.
1: And, and you know they'll hold up, yep. which is which is the great thing. Yep. Um, okay. So let's jump into lighting. Lighting. All right. Lighting. So I, nobody's going to do fluorescent in their house, so I'm not even going to jump into that. But, you know, it may be, maybe your basement, if your kid's ping pong table is down there. But even now... Everything's LED. L- right. Everything's turned to LED. Right. So um, since everything is LED, that is great. Um, when I first started giving this talk, there was, you know, incandescent we talked about or sure. halogen, which started so many house fires it was unbelievable, <laughs> or xenon bulbs, which you had to change with little gloves on right. um, so that you didn't get get oil on the on the right? On yeah, it was ridiculous. So everything's easy now, and it's a heck of a lot cheaper with LED, and it uses a lot less juice, so you can replace you know, a hundred and fifty watt bulb and have a fraction of the um, of the uh, energy use, which is terrific. Um, But really just in terms of uh, design things, one one thing that I just want to point out, there are a lot of decorative fixtures out there. Use them sparingly. Um, you don't want too much going on with your eye. So, if you want to do um, a couple of fixtures over your island, terrific. If you want something over your dining room, if you want a cool wall sconce, great. Um, but again, think of it as more of an artistic touch hmm. than anything. Just plain old utilitarian lighting is great with a recess can. And I will tell you, there's like, even when you buy recess cans now, you can often still get. Um, Various housings around well, them. Not only housings,
0: but today you can buy a recess can, and that that one can will offer you three different levels of luminescence. Right. Right. So you there's actually switches that the electrician hits before he puts them in to make them of certain levels of brightness, and that's over and above the dimmability of them. Right. Right. So so really, like never have we had this much control in the lighting that we put into projects, right. um, which is pretty cool. Right. And that that that's a good thing. But I think. One of the other things that we talk about and, and you've talked about too is sort of the the, um, the task orientation of the lighting, right? So you will light you will light a bathroom differently than you will light a kitchen, right? Right. So let's talk about that.
1: Okay, so for instance, in a bathroom, you definitely want light in front of you. And so if you're looking in a mirror, what you don't want is recess cans over your head because it causes a lot of shadows. It's very hard to do your makeup when you've got like big shadows coming down off your eyebrows and um, so you want lighting in front of you. Um, and then there's different light Values. There's different light um, colors. There's cool white and warm white and um, daylight. And, you know, there's a, there's a range. So you need to think about how you're using this space mm-hmm. and how you want it to feel.
0: And even how, you know, like in the bathroom example, um, how you want it to y- feel at different times of the day. So, you know, if uh, if that means that you might use the bathroom in the middle of the night, um, then you might be thinking mm-hmm. about, okay, what kind of a, a built-in nightlight approach? There's no way you should be remodeling your bath and then have to plug in a little cheesy nightlight somewhere, right? right? That right. means you shouldn't think forward to say, mm-hmm. how can I deal with that so I'm not blinded in the right. middle of the night if I use it, right? Um,
1: Some under, under um, tow board lighting? Exactly. You know, on your cabinetry, like say so you have a vanity, you can actually run lighting underneath that so it lights the floor so right. you can get around, but it's not blinding on your eyes. It's actually a great way to go.
0: Right, and so, and again, we, as we're on sort of the frugal and fabulous topic, th- those aren't over the top now. That's not a crazy uh, bell or whistle. Does yeah. it cost a little more money? It does, but the, the cost of that material has has now come down. It is pretty. So like, much, you know, our yeah. kids have LED lighting all over their rooms. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. <And laughs> LED strip lights. And, it, and right? it's synced up to their music. Yeah, exactly. So they can
1: have a whole disco going. It's right, unbelievable.
0: exactly. So, and then, and then if we think about kitchens, it's kind of the same thing, right? So you talk about being mindful of not having too many decorative lights, um, which is, I think, spot on. But then at the same time, we need to be thoughtful about uh, making sure we're not working in shadow, right? right? So we accomplish that in different
1: ways. Right. Right. Um, and that's a whole different discussion, right. but, um, you know, just keeping in mind that you are actually thinking about your electrical as you go. So the last section is just the small and important details, right? Like these things don't cost a lot of money, but they can give a lot of pow. Um, one of them is color. So I'm not big on oatmeal kitchens <laughs> um, or, or as your mom used to call Chicken white.
0: Yeah. So my mom was a designer, interior designer, and uh, whenever she'd have a customer who only wanted to paint the inside of a given room white, um, she would come home after a consultation and say, "So they only want chicken white." And uh, chicken yeah. white meaning I'm too afraid to actually commit to a color that's got any <laughs> you know any meaning to it whatsoever. Any cow
1: so. whatsoever. Right. right. So
0: and you can you can accomplish a lot with a little bit of guts.
1: Right. So so I would suggest um, again if you want your money to really carry out is go neutral with the big ticket items, right, the cabinetry, the countertops, do things that are flexible in terms of a color scheme, and then add a lot of, add some zip on your walls, right. um, or even on your ceilings, you know, don't ignore ceilings, it's it's a the fifth wall. Um,
0: yeah, colored paint, doesn't cost any more. It doesn't cost
1: any more, <laughs> and the beauty part is, is if you, you know, first of all, you can test out a few, right, you get a few test cans, you, you, you do a few test patches on your wall, you get used to Color and don't, when I say test patches, don't do a little like three by three inch, right? right? To get get a, a pint of the paint that you want, or several colors of paint that you want, and do like a big three by three square, right. and live with them. Look them at, at night. Look at during the day, um, and then and then do something on the walls that has a little bit of zip. And you can can you know cu- uh, carry that color from place to place in your house, or do coordinating colors so that there's continuity in your house. Like I wouldn't recommend you know, two different yellows in adjoining rooms that are not, right? Like, just, yep. it, it's glaring. But you can carry things or link spaces together with a wallpaper that carries the colors of one room on one side and one room on the other, you know, like for a foyer or something. So, um, don't be afraid of color, is my point. You know, don't be a chicken. <laughs> do something other than chicken white. Um, so there's a lot of stuff you can do there. Um,
0: you could even do, like, you know, um, People look at, at some certain molding details, and there are inexpensive ways to dress up a room right. without going over the top. People right. think, oh, crown molding, that's a really special custom detail. Well, crown molding does cost more, but there are other ways to apply molding. And, and you know, spend There's a some st-
1: great paint details. You can correct. actually ha- create the look of right. a, a compound crown by using a very small, right. what's that molding called, the little tiny one? Band. There? Yeah, so just a band at the bottom mm-hmm. um, and a crown at the top, like a really inexpensive crown, and then paint between the band and the crown all the same color. It looks like you have a compound crown. It looks right, like exactly. you created a lot of um, woodwork, and yet it's a really inexpensive. And way you can to find
0: go. examples like that to inspire you on on websites like you know Houzz, H-O-U-Z-Z, or Pinterest, right. obviously, right? You right. can. Um, there's a lot of examples like that to do some of those little more creative things. Not budget busters, but right. difference makers in terms of how the space then doesn't appeal. Doesn't the, the, the space doesn't appear to be just like a vanilla box? Right. Exactly.
1: Okay, so that is we're going to wrap it for now. Awesome. I think we've uh, we've done a good job covering stuff and boggled your mind, and hopefully <laughs> it, uh, increased your level of, of questioning yourself and others as you go through the design process.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, a, a lot of it is about just saying, hey, um, you can if you're if you're exercise a little bit of restraint, a little bit of care, and uh, you can do a really nice job at, uh-huh. at delivering a great project. Uh, without breaking the bank.
1: Exactly. Right? Exactly. Awesome. All right. So this was Renovation Made Right, and I am Brenda Bryan. And I am David Bryan. Thanks for joining us today, and we will talk to you again real soon. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes on our website, renovationmaderight.com, and follow us on social media at Renovation Made Right. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you like the show, leave us a review.